we're on week three of our Say Less series, right? And by Say Less, we're talking about um, a section of scriptures in James that is talking about putting our faith into action, actually acting on our belief in God. And by Say Less, I mean like when you're out to dinner with your friend and you have an appetizer of mozzarella sticks. Who likes mozzarella sticks? I'm a big Mott's guy myself. Um, and there's only one mozzarella stick, and your friend says, you can have that last one. And you would say, say less. Say less. Yeah, I'll take that. Or when you're on Buffalo, we at Buffalo Wild Wings on a Thursday night for Thursday night football. Woo! Yes. And the, waiter, and the waiter comes up to you and says, by the way, all wings are BOGO. Buy one, get one. And you would say? Say less. Yes. Or when Pastor Jeremy uh, tells you, hey, I want you to preach next Wednesday, and you would say, <laughs> that's a true story. And I said, sure, dog. Um, but serious, yeah, say less. But this series is all about saying less and putting our faith into action. Understand? And tonight, we're going to look at a man in the Bible who is very infamous, not infamous, he's very famous and very notable for saying less and doing more, acting out his faith. But first, I have a question for you all. Uh, do you guys know anyone, it could be a friend or an, an enemy for that matter, who has a really big head and like, not literally, not like a literal big head, but like they brag a lot. Anyone know any braggers, right? And they're always, and they're always talking about, oh, I can do this and this and this and this, and I'm just the greatest thing since sliced bread. And everyone knows someone like that? Is anyone that person? Does anyone like to brag a lot? You like to, you both like to brag a lot? You like to brag a lot? I'm, yeah, that's, that's not surprising. Josiah likes to brag a lot. <laughs> I think we can all be that way sometimes, right? We all have that tendency to brag or make ourselves look good. We all do that from time to time, whether we like to admit it or not. So the past few months, me and my friends, and my friends, I mean Pastor Jeremy and Jackson, we've been really into disc golf. Now, everyone know what disc golf is, right? Yes. You throw, it's like normal golf, except instead of a ball, you throw a disc, like a Frisbee. And instead of a hole, it's like this uh, basket with chains on it, right? Frisbee golf. It's like the nerd, disc golf. It's the nerdiest sport ever, and that's why... I'm making it my sport, right? Because I was never an athletic kid in school, high school, middle school, whatever. Like, I played baseball, but um, I never really cared if we won or lost. I was like, let's just get along. And also, I sucked, so that's also why. But disc golf, I'm telling you, it's my sport, I think. I think this is my chance to actually be an athletic kid and be a cool kid. Um, I was already cool. Thank you. Thank you. That, oh. That was the first time anyone's ever said that. Uh, but yeah, disc golf, I think it's my sport, right? So we've been playing it for a while, and none of us are really good. Um, we like to think we're good. Jeremy, you're not good. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but uh, we like to think we're good, right? 
uh, we're buying all these discs. We're researching what the discs uh, do, which one's curved left, right, whatever, uh, what the correct way to throw is. We're becoming big, uh, big nerds of Frisbee golf, right? Uh, and every time we go disc golfing, I have this little thing that I like to say. It's my little braggadocious thing. Every time I go up to like the putting, not the putting, uh, the driving mat, I'll tell Jeremy and Jackson, I'll turn around and I'll say like, listen for the chains, boys. As in like, I'm going to get a hole in one. It's like a way of bragging. It's like what, never mind. Uh, but like, I'll go up to drive and I'll be like, Jeremy, Jackson, listen for the chains. This one's going to be my hole. And I go and I wind up and I throw it and then it hits a tree that's like 10 feet away. <laughs> Doink on the ground. And that's how my game goes. And then it takes me like nine Nine throws to get a hole that, like, a normal person could get in three. I'm not good. I'm not good at Frisbee golf. Even though it is my sport, and I'm telling you, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go pro. For real. Um, but, yeah, I'm not exactly the ideal disc golf player. Case in point, I like to talk up how good I was at disc golf. I like to say my little slogan, listen for the chains. I like to think I'm really good like to talk about how good I am. But in reality, the performance I do on the disc golf course doesn't match up how much I hype it up to be. Now, why am I telling you about my weird obsession with this dumb sport? I don't know either. It's because there's going to be a time, a time will come, where we are all going to have to back up what we say with what we do. Um, at some point, our words and our thoughts are going to fall short of doing what God wants us to do, and then what? Um, we act, we move, and we do. We don't just say who we are and what we believe in. Um, you know, we like to talk about Christianity through our words, right? Or we like to post about it on social media. We'll briefly mention about our faith in a conversation while we're at work or at school and say, hey, I'm a Christian, and then we never elaborate on that. Or sometimes we'll put a Bible verse in our Instagram bio, but that's the only, um, only proof of our faith. Or we can think about how fun youth group is every Wednesday, but all of that, our words and our thoughts and our beliefs are only going to take us so far, and our actions are going to have to carry us the rest of the way that God wants us to do. So here's my question for y'all. Does the way you live back up what you say you believe in? I'm going to say that again because I, I like it. Does the way you live back up what you say you believe? Now, let's say, hypothetically, I was to leave here tonight after I deliver this message, after I do fam time, after we wrap up. Let's say I leave these walls of this church and I go to a party and I live um, a, a crazy life. I go to this party, I, I get drunk, I get high, I have sex. I curse, I do all these things that are living a sinful life. And if that's the life I'm living outside of this church, while in church, I put on this big um, persona that I'm a Christian and that God means so much to me, where's the legitimacy in that? If, there's no legitimacy if I'm to come here every week um, and talk about how good God is for me and how important God is for you and then I don't follow that, and I don't act in a way that is according to him, there is no legitimacy in that. And here's the deal. There's no legitimacy if our actions and faith aren't congruent 
If we come here every week and we say and we talk about how important God is in our lives, but the minute we walk out of this room, go back home, go to school tomorrow, and we act completely different, what's the point, right? Consistency is important. We act the way our faith calls us to. Um, You know, a lot of Christians, whenever they talk about a message like this, they like to say, Christians are supposed to act the part, and I disagree with that full-heartedly. Christianity is not a performance. We're not actors on a stage. We're supposed to live the part, not act it. It's not a performance. Uh, So tonight, I want to talk about a man in Scripture who I think illustrates this pretty well. So if you have your Bibles on you, or if you just want to look at the, uh, that thing, Genesis 22, we're going back to the beginning so you know it's going to get weird. Genesis 22 talks about a man named Abraham, I'm sure you all know him, who in this story, he backed up his faith through his actions. He said less and he acted more. So follow along. Genesis 22. Sometime later, God tested Abraham's faith. Abraham, God called. Yes, he replied, here I am. Take your son, your only son, yes, Isaac, whom you love so much, and go to the land of Moriah. Go and sacrifice him as a burnt offering on one of the mountains, which I will show you. Sorry. The next morning, Abraham got up early. He saddled his donkey and took two of his servants with him, along with his son Isaac. Then he chopped the wood for a fire, for a burnt offering, and set out for the place God had told him about. We're going to read on. I'm going to skip to verse 9. When they arrived at the place where God had told him to go, Abraham built an offer, not an offer, an altar, and arranged the wood on it. Then he tied his son Isaac and laid him on top of the altar on top of the wood. And Abraham picked up the knife to kill his son as a sacrifice. At that moment, the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham. Yes, Abraham replied, here I am. Don't lay a hand on the boy, the angel said. Do not hurt him in any way, for now I know that you truly fear God. You have not withheld from me even your son, your only son. Then Abraham looked up and saw a ram caught by its horns in a thicket. So he took the ram and sacrificed it as a burnt offering and a place for his son. A really uplifting story, I know. Uh, child murder and everything. Uh, but here's what's to take away from this. Abraham was an individual who did not just talk the part. He defended his faith through his actions. Abraham said less. Say less. Now, granted, it wasn't a situation like we've been labeling out. It wasn't like a Abraham, kill your son, say less moment. But <laughs> Abraham still wrestled with his commitment, but in the end, he was willing to go through, proving to God his dedication to the Lord, allowing God to save Isaac right before he was going to do it. So what comes out of this story? James 2, 20 through 24, this is the section of James we're talking about tonight. It reads, how foolish. Can't you see that faith without good deeds is useless? Don't you remember that our ancestor Abraham was showed to be, no, Lord, shown to be right with God by his actions when he offered his son Isaac on the altar? You see, his faith and his actions worked together. His actions made his faith complete. And so it happened just as the scriptures say. Abraham believed God, and God counted him as righteous because of his faith. He was even called the friend of God. So you see, 
We are shown to be right with God by what we do, not by faith alone. Not only did Abraham go through on his actions, God counted to them, God counted this to him as righteousness. God made it known to Abraham that his willingness to commit was a good thing and is seen right in the eyes of God. Now, some of you may be wondering what righteousness is. We throw around that word a lot in church, but sometimes I think we can lose the meaning, right? So we're going to kind of break it down. Um, If you were to look at righteousness from a worldly perspective, like you were going to Webster Dictionary that mug, um, it would be defined as the quality of being morally true and justifiable. But us as Christians, we see that in a little bit of a different light through a more godly perspective. As Christians, we define righteousness as being right in the eyes of God. Being right in the eyes of God is what righteousness is. Simply put, being righteous is being in good standing with God. Um, Has anyone ever beefed with a teacher? Yeah. Yeah. All my... uh, all my Grand Valley people, do you ever beef with a, uh, oh, Lord, what's her name? Biology teacher. Miss Spencer? Yes. Whenever she assigns you notes. Yes. <laughs> um, or any teacher for that matter. You ever had issues with them? You don't see eye to eye. You don't like the way they do things. They don't like the way you don't do your homework, right? There was a point to that. You and your teacher are not on good standings if you guys are beefing. If you're not turning in your homework, they're not going to like you probably. Y'all are not on good standings. See, God doesn't want the relationship you have with that frustrating teacher or Miss Spencer or whatever. He wants you to be in good standing with him by pursuing righteousness, righteousness as in being right in the eyes of God. And how do we pursue righteousness? we look at Abraham. Abraham was a man who did not talk to talk or simply believe he acted. Keep in mind, this is Old Testament. Um, Before the ultimate sacrifice, that is Jesus, who sacrificed his life for us. And as New Testament believers in modern time, we are fully capable of acting through our faith and pursuing righteousness. Make sense? All in all, if you're going to wrap this all up, faith paired with action is righteousness. We are seen right in God's eyes when our faith and actions are congruent. Our faith, whenever we believe in God, that leads us to act in a certain way. Whenever we act in that certain way that is according to God's will, God sees us as righteous people. Make sense? Now, why must I be righteous? Well, that's a good question, Joseph Camp. I know you didn't ask that. Why must I be righteous? And some of you may be thinking this, um, but I got some points for you. Point number one, a righteous life is reflective. So here's what I mean by that. I know that sounds really cool because it says the word reflective. Um, People notice what you are passionate about, but more importantly, people notice what you're doing. People notice your actions. People notice like what you are physically doing, not just what you're thinking or what you believe in. And that's why our actions are so important. Living righteously will have you act out your love for God 
And as you act out your love for God, you're acting out your love for people, right? People notice things. If there's one thing that should be noted about this point, and it's something that, like, is super practical, people notice you. If you say you're a Christian and you don't act a certain way, or, like, if you, um, if you say you're a Christian and you exit these walls and you live a sinful life, whether that's partying, drugs, sex, um, vulgarity, people notice that. And it's illegitimate. It's an illegitimate lifestyle. We have to be congruent um, in sync, not the band. <laughs> um, and I think a lot of us know someone in our life that reflects righteousness, right? I'll tell you a little example. When I was at Mizzou, I was a part of Chi Alpha, which was their Christian life group. And I knew this guy who was a good friend of mine, and his name was Blaze. And not only does he have a dope-as-heck name, I mean Blaze, that's an awesome name, uh, he was a man who reflected righteousness. Everything he did, his actions were in sync with how he believed. He would worship God, he would, he would pray, and he would do his devotions. And you could tell that his soul was focused on God. But not only that, the actions that he illustrated publicly totally reflected that. And people noticed that. I noticed that, and it inspired me to do the same, to be congruent with my faith and my actions. Be like Blaze. He's got a cool name. Be like Blaze. Um, but yeah, people see you. Make sure what you're doing is consistent. Point number two, a righteous life is rewarding. Now what? I can be benefited by being righteous? That is true. Yes, let me explain. Proverbs 21.21 says, Whoever pursues righteousness and loves and love finds life, prosperity, and honor. And so, yes, you can be benefited by this. By being righteous, you can be benefited. But it's not in a way um, that you would think. It's in a very spiritual sense. Prosperity can take many forms. You know, some of us like money. Who don't like money? Let's be real. Um, a lot of us like food um, or whatever you define as being prosper. None of that's going to satisfy your spirit, your spirit, your soul. And when you are righteous, you are prosper in your spirit. It's a way that is unexplainable um, by the world. Um, I think it's best put in Matthew 6, 31 through 33. It says, so don't worry about these things, saying, what will we eat? What will we drink? What will we wear? These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers, but your heavenly Father already knows all your needs. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously, and he will give you everything you need. God is a provider. God will provide you what you need. Now, the last time I spoke, I said something, and I kind of, it kind of made me think. I said, like, there's no safer place to be in God's will. And figuratively, that is true. But that's not to say that being righteous does not have its hardships. We are called essentially to suffer. That's not a way we like to think about it, but it is true. We are servants to the Lord. And while we may face hardship and persecution for what we believe, we may be ridiculed, God's going to satisfy. 
We will prosper because of what we do. We just don't know how yet. You just got to stick with it. Make sense? When we can have all these things, we can live prosperous, we can reflect our righteousness onto others and be an example for people. But what it all comes down to this, and it's point number three, a righteous life requires active devotion. Abraham's right relationship with the Lord, it didn't come from the work of the law or something of that time period. It only came from his faith and his actions working together in love. His willingness to sacrifice um, what he loved most in the world, his own son, was a testament to his devotion to God. And this was also in Old Testament times where things are a little different. We're not going to go into that because there's a lot you could talk about. But we live in a New Testament world where we know that the Lord of the universe sacrificed, paid the ultimate sacrifice so that we can live eternal life and that we can have a relationship with him. Veil torn, we have direct access to him. What's stopping us from living righteously? Our actions and our faith have to be in sync. We must actively be devoted to our faith in order to seek righteousness. Um, kind of like what I said earlier. It's not a performance, so don't just play the part, live the part. So I ask you one more time, are you someone who backs up what you believe with how you act? Sum it all up. Live righteously. Um, live righteously by making your actions back up your faith. May your faith be backed up by your actions.